tell you is, is that in 2020, uh, we're going to believe God to take a group from the church to the Mediterranean. Um, we actually are working on a trip, um, and you could just be praying about this. It gives you lots of time to believe God and think about it uh, and get your passport and all the things you'd need to do. But uh, there's actually a cruise that we can work out where you would go from Rome all the way to Israel. And you'd be in Israel for three days. Uh, you'd get to be baptized in the Jordan, do all. If you've ever wanted to go, Sharon and I'll be going on this trip. Uh, if you've ever wanted to go to Israel, that's your shot to do it. Uh, if you wanted to do it with us. And then you actually get to travel to Corinth. You'll go to where uh, Malta was, where Paul shipwrecked at. You'll get to go to uh, Athens, Greece, um, and, uh, and then we end up in Rome. And so um, the, the cool thing about this trip that we really wanted to work out is you just are on a cruise ship, so the whole time you don't have to pack and unpack, you're just on the ship, and when you come back in the evening, you just get to rest instead of having to move to another hotel. But uh, we, really, we really felt strong about at least putting the invite out. Now that's 2020, not next year, okay? And, uh, but uh, just something to think about. Now, here's the thing. You know, I know folks think, well, yeah, but the cost has got to be prohibitive. Well, let me tell you something. We can always believe God for the finances to be able to go and, uh, you know, to put our faith out there. And so if that's something that uh, you've always had the dream of doing and uh, to do something like that, and you'd like to do that with us, um, then uh, we'll talk and we'll have more information in the months ahead. But um, this trip for us was, uh, first of all, Amazing Grace, thank you for sending us and letting us do that. We, we shared with several while we were there that uh, we were there on a 25th anniversary gift from our church, and uh, they were just like, you mean your church did that for you? And one of the pastors looked at his congregation and said, did you hear what their church did for him? <laughs> and I looked at one of the board members and I said, you do know it's Pastor Appreciation Month, right? And, and uh, so anyways, it, it was, it, that, that was real fun. But, but uh, you know, we just bragged about Amazing Grace and uh, the church and what you guys did for us. And uh, um, I don't want to say it was a life-changing trip, but it was definitely an impacting uh, trip for Sharon and I. Um, just the things that we actually, it was a dream come true for us. So thank you. And, uh, but we're glad to be home. Um, you know, I'm a pastor. I do mission work. I travel. But I love to come home because I love God's people. I don't know why. It must be a supernatural thing, but I just do. I miss the people. I think about you while I'm gone. Uh, Sharon will tell you that, you know, I pray for our church. I pray for our people uh, in the church. Uh, just, you know, what's going on. I think about what's happening uh, here, what you're doing, what's going on. I watch on Sunday mornings, uh, even though it's a different time zone. And uh, we're still operating on the six-hour, seven-hour time difference. So that means, you know, we're, tired, we're ready to go to bed at 8, and we're awake at 4 a.m., and, you know, sometimes 3.30 in the morning. And uh, so we're still adjusting. And praise the Lord, now next week we get to adjust to the one hour back, right? Which will mean then we're up at 2.30 in the morning instead of... <laughs> so, but you know what? There's worse problems in the world than our sleep patterns. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Mark chapter 10. I want to share a message with you that, that really impacted me while uh, something that God really impressed on my spirit while I was gone. Um, I, I am teaching through the book of Ephesians, but I'm going to put that on pause today because I want to share this with you. This is out of Mark chapter 10 and verse 35 uh, through 45. And 
This is a passage that you'll be familiar with as where James and John, as they're traveling with Jesus, come up to him and they basically begin to ask him to do whatever they ask him to do. Would you do this for us? And uh, Jesus said to them in verse 36, he said to them, well, what do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, well, grant us to sit one at your right hand and the other at your left hand in your glory. And Jesus said to them, you do not know what you are asking. Can you drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said, we can. And so Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized. But to sit at my right hand or my left hand is not mine to grant. It is for those who, who it has been prepared. When the ten heard it, they began to be very displeased with James and John. But Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are appointed to rule over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Let me read that again. But it shall not be among you. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever among you would be greatest must be servant of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. As a ransom for many. I need to, I need to just borrow, if I could, um, let me just borrow a row of people here real quick from Rick over to Omar, if you guys would just come up here a minute. And uh, so I got a job. Come on, you come on up too. Amen. I know you. We know you. Come on. Now, what I want you guys to do, um, I need one more. Mona, come on up here. You be up here in, the circle, in this group too. So, okay. Amen. Now, I want you guys to make a circle. So make a circle. <laughs> There's always one in the group. Join hands if you guys would. Now, what's interesting about this is, is that this is, uh, this is something that I think we could all agree with, that if we were all going to make a circle, chances are this is how we would make a circle. We're not from the time that we're little kids when we sang Ring Around the Rosy, Pocket Full of Posies, you know, which is a song about death, actually, but nobody tells us that when we're kids, right? <laughs> that the Pocket Full of Posies was actually to hide the smell of people dying during the war. All fall down. Do you know what that? Huh? The plague. Thank you. Thank you for clarifying that. So anyways, but that's okay, because we're not going to make them sing that, okay? <laughs> but, but because this is what we're used to, this is what we naturally tend to do when we're asked to make a circle, is we make a circle and we're all facing each other, right? And in this circle, as we're all facing each other, our backs are to some of those who are behind us. Your back is to the people that are here. Your back is to me. Uh, even though you can each see each other, you cannot all see what's going on around you, right? right. Now, I want you all to turn your backs towards each other and, make, and join hands. But then I can't see them. Yeah, right. That's right. <laughs> and make a circle. See, this is the circle that God calls us to make. This is the circle that God calls us to make. Not an inward circle, but an outward circle. Okay, guys, you can sit down. Didn't they do a good job? Amen. Except this guy here is giving me trouble, but besides him, you're all right. But, here, but here's, here's the point. The disciples... 
talk to Jesus and they are trying to create an inward facing circle. They're more concerned about who's going to be in charge. Who's going to be at the top of the list? Who gets to sit at your right hand and who gets to sit at your left hand? And that's typical. I mean, that's typical in churches. That's typical in politics. That's typical in, in social networks. It's typical all around us that people, you know, that's, those are the kinds of things that get focused on. And we're taught from a very young age that that's the way that things are, that there's a pecking order, right? That we're all taught that. And, uh, you know, um, th but the thing is, is that what Jesus says is that, look, guys, I want you to understand that what I'm trying to do isn't what you think this should look like. It's not the traditional circle that you're used to. The circle I'm trying to build is one that is not forced, fa forced facing inward, but it's one that's facing outward. And so what does Jesus tell him there in that passage? He says, look, here's the thing, guys. What I'm saying to you is, if you want to sit at my right hand and my left hand, then become the servant of everyone. And do you see how contradictory that is to established theory on leadership? You know, that this, this, is, a, this is one of the things that we've been dealing with in America for quite a while, is what does a leader look like? Well, if you go back 50 years, what a leader looks like in a company, they get all the money, they get all the perks, all the people at the top. Now we're starting to see an inversion. Now it's so slow because it's a hard thing to do because you have years and years of traditional ways of thinking, but you actually see inversion happening. And that's a good inversion. It should have been that way from the beginning. Because if you want to be great, the greatest thing you can do is make everybody around you great. I mean, if you really want to be successful, then just make everybody around you successful. But when you become the center of success and it's really about what you can do for you, then you're looking at an old paradigm. You're looking at an inward circle. And uh, I spent a lot of time this last week, and of course I've dealt with several churches that are, that are struggling through this process of churches that are dying, dying in the world. Major denominations that are, that are rapidly decreasing. And they're, they're just now starting to realize that they have to change the paradigm, the pattern that they've been operating under, because basically their churches have become an inward circle, where we're more concerned about what's happening in the circle and the people that are in the circle, where we talk more about how we can keep everybody in the circle instead of facing outward and how we can reach the people outside the circle. The circle. You know, Jesus beat to a different drum, didn't he? I mean, he just, he really did. If you really read what he said, he really was not popular with the religious leaders of his day. I mean, they just didn't like what he had to say. Now, there were some that were like, you know what, he's right. And somebody should have been saying that. But there were a lot of people did not like what he said because he just beat to a different drum the way that he communicated, the what he told people. I mean, who tells people that if you want to be the greatest, when you're living in the time of the Caesars who, who rule by an iron fist and who just kill anybody that doesn't think they're God, and how that you're living in a day where the greatest, the, the, the greatest leader that they would know um, you know, who is revered and to be honored and who, uh, you know, the greatest leaders of their day were to be revered and to be honored, whether they were religious leaders in the Jewish camp or whether they were Roman leaders or whether they were their own governmental leaders, that they were the people at the top and they were the most honored and they were the most prestigious. And you did what they said to do to Jesus, who's saying, I didn't come to be served by you, but I came to serve 
you. You think of how that fights against the traditional stance of what, what the church looked like at that time. This was the, the birth of, of the idea that Jesus brought was is that, look, I didn't come to establish a circle where everybody's trying to fight to keep the circle together and trying to keep the circle facing each other and keep everybody in the circle. I came to create a people that are facing the world saying, I've got good news. I've got hope. I've got peace. I've got joy. I've got a relationship with Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Amen. There was a guy by the name of Carl Reif. He was a 17-year-old drum major. I was teasing Noah, but Noah Burke before the service. Noah was a drum major at at uh, at um, Ithaca. Thank you. And you know, I've seen a lot of different drum majors. You know, some drum majors, man, they're high stepping. I mean, they're awesome. You watch them strut out on the field. If you ever watch a Michigan State game or a Michigan game or maybe an Ohio State game, and uh, you know. And uh, you'll get a chance at the end of the year to see that. But you watch that band. <clears throat> you get the, you you watch that band, and they come. That leader of all the people comes high stepping out. Well, Carl Reif, he was a drum major, and they were in a parade. And so the way that he would cadence the team behind him was he'd blow the whistle. And he tells the story in his book about how he how they started out in the parade and how he's giving the cadence on his whistle and he gets going down the street and you know he's just going along and 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 all of a sudden some kid yells out hey buddy I think you lost your band and Carl Reif turned and he looked behind him and there was no one there three blocks back his band was way back down the street they hadn't stayed up with him and uh, so for whatever reason you know drum majors don't turn around to look to see what's going on they expect that Everybody's following. Well, you know, isn't that kind of like Jesus? He's blowing out a whistle to his people and telling them that this is the way. You know, Jesus tells us that everybody will know us because of our love. But I wonder if that's the sound that we're making, if that's the cadence that we're following today, that people know us by our love. You know, I, I, I will say this in a very difficult climate in our world today, but... Look, people won't know us because of our politics. People won't know us because of the church we go to. People won't know us because of how much money that we have, or whether we're a Hollywood celebrity, or we're some sports figure. People, the greatest thing Jesus said people could know us by is our love. Now listen to this. This is really powerful. Our love for one another. Now that isn't Jesus saying that, Turn to yourselves in the church and love each other that's in the circle. That's Jesus saying, love one another. That's love all of my people. Love all of my people. You know, today you have a great opportunity. We're going to have this dinner after church. Now look, I know how these things go because I've done it myself. You go to the dinner, you get your food, you do your pleasantries, and you book it. You get out as quick as you can and on to the next thing. But see, here's the, here's the thing. There are people around us that are going through things in their life right now that need us right now. There's somebody here that's got a testimony that needs to be able to tell it. And always in the church environment is in a place where that can always happen, but, but we need each other. And we should be able to help each other. We should be able to love each other, and we should be able to spend time with each other instead of feeling like off to the next thing 
or I don't want to go to the dinner because if I go to the dinner, then I got to talk to people. And if I got to talk to people, then I got to find out what's going on in people's lives. And I really don't want to bother. But see how narrow, and I get that, because I'm like that. My personality is not social. I promise you, my wife will attest to it. This is a learned attribute. I'm absolutely horrible, I have, and I have my limitations. I mean, an hour and I'm done, okay? So that's, I'll, I promise you, I'll give you one hour after this is over with, but then my social reset hits, right? You know what that is, right? It, it's nap time, okay? But, but see, there, there, there should be among us the ability to, in God's people, to communicate. See, when we go to the dinner today, we're going to make circles, whether we know it or not. And uh, we'll sit with people we know, people that are in our family, people that are of the same color that we are, people that are of the same background that we are, people that we already know. Instead of stretching out ourselves a little bit and say, you know what? I'm going to meet some people that I don't know. I'm going to sit with some people that I have never met before. I'm going to talk to these folks. I'm going to find out what's in their life. I'm going to let them find out what's going on in my life. I'm going to learn about someone. You know, all of the prejudices that exist today, truthfully, in our, I'll just talk about the United States, but all the prejudice exists today because of ignorance. And the ignorance that exists is because of a lack of spending time together. Because we don't know you and you don't know us. Can I get a good amen? amen? Now, maybe you don't want to know me, and that's fine. But here's the thing. I, and I, You know what? That's your problem, not my problem. But see how that when we, when we begin to build the inner circle and we do everything with only the people we know and do only things with our family and we only do things with this small group of people, we begin to create circles. And those circles become inward-facing. The danger of the circle, the inner circle that faces inwards, is eventually it dies. And this is the dilemma that the church is facing right now across the United States of America right now that you're seeing it happen left and right, that churches are closing down and buildings are coming up for sale because membership is dying off and people are not coming in because we've been more focused on how many we can keep in the circle and what you, Jesus said it, he, he gave us a little clue to this. He says, whoever tries to save their soul will lose it, but whoever loses their soul for my sake will gain it. And so it's a clue that if we try to keep what we have, we're going to lose it. But if we try to give away what we have, if we try to be a blessing, if we try to be ever-reaching, if we try to reach beyond our own world to others, then we'll be able to save ourselves. We'll be able to keep the church doing what it's supposed to do. You know, when Paul, I, I saw it, I mean, it just, it blew me away. If you can imagine, here we are in Corinth. Now, you know, Corinth, uh, we read the book of First and Second Corinthians, and so we kind of know Paul ran into a lot of problems while he was there. But when Sharon and I stood in Corinth and we, we, we saw this place and what it looked like, of course, nothing's left. I mean, it's all just rubbles and relics today. Uh, the city has died off. But, but the, 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 <clears throat> that city that Paul walked into was so pagan, was so full of idolatry. And up on the hill, if you can imagine, as you look up here to your left, uh, here's the city here, is a mountain. And on top of that mountain is a temple and they have a thousand male and female prostitutes in that temple. 
that that was one of the largest trades in that community for all of their temple gods. Inside the city was every kind of drunkenness, gluttonness, uh, every kind of idolatry. Uh, they worshipped Apollo. Uh, they, they, were, they, were, they were openly in the street. There was, uh, you know, was sexuality, bestiality. All these things were happening right out in the open. Now take the Apostle Paul, this great Pharisee, who is a Pharisee, he says of Pharisees, his own words, who is a just, righteous man who, who struck, fought in his life to live a pure and perfect life. And here he is, challenged by God to take this great gospel message to the world. I wonder if he really knew what he was getting into going into that world, because that world did not look like the world that he came from. And the people in that world, they were not like the people that he had dealt with in his circle. In fact, Paul spent a lot of time killing people that weren't in his circle. But God turned him outward. And here he is in Corinth. Can you just envision just for a minute that here he is walking the streets of Corinth and there are prostitutes propositioning him in the street. Male, female, there's open homosexuality, open bestiality, all these things that are just, I mean, it, your wildest imagination of all these things that are going on in the city Poverty is everywhere. Disease is everywhere. And here this righteous, pure man who has been humbled at the foot of the cross walks the streets there and has to lay aside every prejudice that he has in his life to reach a dying people with the good news of the gospel. I mean, I was overwhelmed thinking that if I was in that environment, you know, like I said, we like to be in circles where we know everybody in the circle, right? And everybody in the circles like us. You know, if you walk into a grocery store and you you when you know, let's say you're in Saginaw and you walk into a grocery store down in Lansing or in Ann Arbor, and there's five men standing there with towels wrapped around their head, with turbans on their head, and their skin is darker than yours, and their eyes are brown. What's the first thoughts that you have towards those people that are there? chances are you probably don't say hello to them. Probably you don't cast a smile because they're different. But see, that's an inward circle. And God calls us to turn outward. God calls us to reach and love people. See, the message of Christ is, is if you want to be great, then be a servant. If you want to really experience the greatness of the kingdom, then be a servant, and not just to those you like. Be a servant to all. Be a servant to all. You know, it was really funny. We go on this cruise, and one of, they have like designated seating. And so what happens is, is that they seat us at a table with this one woman who's, the only way I can describe her, some of you will know about this because you, you'll remember She's kind of like Phyllis Aiken. Do you remember Phyllis Aiken? Some of you do. Phyllis, Phyllis has a great, had a great story. Phyllis always felt it was her responsibility to tell people how wrong they were. And, and she would do it publicly. I mean, she called Sharon out one time. She, she'd get mad if she didn't like something. She made sure you knew about it. And Phyllis got mad at us and left the church here. I mean, she walked away and she didn't have one good thing to say about it. But years and years later, all of a sudden, Phyllis shows up. And you know, I always think when somebody's left mad, why are they back? 
<laughs> and uh, so she comes back and she comes up front to me, Brad, and she sits down and she says, listen, she said, would you be my pastor? And I, and my first thought was, well, have you changed? <laughs> right? Because we're accepting as long as you're like I want you to be, right? Help us, Lord. So she said, would you be my pastor? And I, before I could even think, you know, thank God that the Spirit speaks through you before your brain can kick in. How many of you would attest that that's a good thing, right? That you're, it's something spiritual came out of your mouth and you really weren't thinking that, but that's what your heart was saying. And I said, absolutely, Phyllis, I would love to be your pastor and have you as part of this church unconditionally. Come back. We love you. And I can't say that she, you know, some people are just God's sandpaper in the church. Do you know what I'm talking about? I didn't say your name. Why you look so serious? I like, is he talking? But you know, some people, they just, when they rub up with you, they just like take an edge off of you. They're just, Phyllis was just one of those kinds of people. And I loved her. I love Phyllis. Because you always knew where you stood with her. That's a fact. Well, Phyllis, a great testimony anyway. She came back to the church a couple of years later. She passed away. We got to do her funeral. I mean, she made peace with God. She made peace with us. She made peace in her life, and she was in the church that she actually never felt like she was ever apart from before she died. And I think that's a pretty cool story. Well, this lady at the table was like Phyllis. And so she's sitting there. She is diametrically, you know, completely opposite of every political view that I have just about every religious view that I have. And, and she's not quiet. Don't you love people like that? And they're not quiet about it. I mean, we can't just have a decent dinner. And me, you know, always putting my foot in my mouth, I started asking questions, right? And uh, Sharon said to me afterwards, she says, you know, you're really good at getting stuff out of people. And I'm thinking, yeah. I'll tell you, the secret to getting stuff out of people is just let them talk about themselves because people love to talk about themselves. And so I just started asking her questions, and I started hearing all this stuff. And, and, she, and then if you said something she didn't like, she'd correct you right there at the table. And I'm thinking, while I'm sitting there, okay, can we have a different table? You know, because I felt like I needed a different circle. <laughs> I maybe mean, you ever been at dinner with somebody, you thought, you know, I need a different circle today. I'm not talking about when you're eating dinner with your spouse now. I'm just talking about, right? And I mean, I just, it just, I, Sharon and I walked away from that dinner and said, man, she really got, has a lot of opinions about stuff. And I says, yeah, and most of them don't even come close to what we believe. But here's the thing, she needed love. She needed love. Bob Goff, who is just a great writer, if you've never read any of Bob's stuff, you've got to read some of his books. But Bob Goff made a statement that people in the world don't need to, don't need to know how wrong they are. They just need to know how much love they are. See, part of the deficiency that we have in our world, and I'll just talk about the United States. Well, let me just talk about Michigan. Part of the deficiency that we have in the state of Michigan is, is that we have a deficiency of love. Because everything that's going on around us, and I don't care whether it's politically, socioeconomic, I don't care what it is, is trying to build a circle. And that circle is an inward-facing circle. And let me tell you, inward-facing circles do not work long-term. They may give short-term respite, but they do not have any longevity to them. 
You know, Jesus did not teach upward mobility. He taught outward mobility. Jonathan Merritt, who has written quite a few books, had an article in the New York Times just a couple weeks ago, and it's called, We Need to Talk About God. He asked Barna Associates to do a, a, re, a study of 1,000 adults and to ask them the question, how many spiritual conversations do you have beyond Sunday morning or when you go to church? He found out that out of the people that they interviewed, that 75% do not have spiritual conversations beyond church service, 75% that more than 20% have had, not had one in the last year, that 60% only on rare occasions, that only 7% said that they have a regular spiritual conversation with people around them. Here was the real kicker. 13% of regular attenders of church have only had a spiritual conversation uh, once a week. means that 13%. But we are a spiritual people, not just a natural people. We are a spiritual people. We are people that are new creations in Christ. And no matter what our color is, no matter what our background is, and look, I, I, I have a, nobody's disrespecting anything here about your life or where you've come from or who you are, but here's the reality. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. And to God, the way that God views it, it doesn't matter if you're male or you're female. In God's sight, He says that in Christ, all have been brought in, and you are all new creations in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. amen. Thank you for that good amen. But only 13% of people have regular spiritual conversations. Bob Goff made another statement that I thought was so powerful. The brand of love that Jesus offers is more about presence than undertaking a project. If we want to love people, then we've got to be where people are. Just like at this dinner today. You say, well, you're really pushing the dinner today. You're absolutely right, I am. I make no apologies about it. <laughs> but if we really want to practice the love of Jesus, then we have to talk to the people that look different than we do. We have to be willing to reach out to the people that have more money than we do or less money than we do. We have to be willing to love the unlovely, to reach the unreachable, because that is really who our Jesus is. And that's really what love is. Can I get a good amen? amen. Someone said, Bob Goff actually made this statement, when you feel you can't explain your faith, this is so powerful, when you feel that you cannot explain your faith to someone, just go love someone. And he said, you just explained your faith to that person. See, how you love is really what your faith is really all about. How you love people. You say, well, pastor, I mean, if I, if I do all that, am I, ain't I compromising? I mean, am I not a compromiser? No. You know, I haven't changed one thing that I believe in the last, one thing that I believe biblically in the last probably the last 30 years. Now, I've learned more enlightenment of things, but I haven't changed my positions on how I stand on political issues. I haven't changed my stance on how I look at things socially. I don't, I haven't, there's a lot of things that, that are still the same in my life. But here's the thing. I, those aren't the things that I focus on in my life. That's just a part of me. That's not who I am. That's just a part of my life. But what I do communicate regularly to people is my faith in Christ. 
Because I want to tell you something, Jesus made the difference in my life. Can anybody say amen to that today? Look, man, I know that when I was 18 years old, I was driving down the road telling God, drunk out of my mind, in my mother's car, leaned back in the seat half asleep and saying, Jesus, I don't care whether I live or whether I die, that Jesus reached out his hand and rescued me. I know that when I was on a bad overdose of drugs and I was laying in a bed thinking I was dying, crying out to God for help, that Jesus rescued me. He didn't rescue me right away, but He rescued me. I know that when I came to the cross of Jesus Christ and made that decision in my life, that Jesus didn't come say back to me, well, son, listen, you got to go straighten yourself out first. You got to put the booze away. You got to put the drugs away. You got to quit being a pervert in your life. Put all that away. Be sorry for what you've done. You got to be real. I mean, now, like, I want to see some tears here to know that you're really sorry for what you did. And then after I see and think somehow that you've groveled enough, then I'll gladly forgive you and receive you into my kingdom as long as you keep towing the line, son. No, the Jesus I came to, maybe it wasn't the same one you came to, but the one I came to is the one that said, come to me, all you who are heavy. And listen, man, I was heavy. Can you say amen? Man, I was heavy. I was heavy with the burden of sin in my life. I was heavy with my past, Gary. I was heavy with it. It was, it was eating up my soul. All the stuff that I had done, all the people that I had hurt, all the lies that I had believed, I was heavy. But Jesus said, come to me, all you who are heavy, you are heavy and full of burden. He said, and I will give you rest. I'll give you rest. You know, at some point in our lives, we all get to the place where we're tired of fighting to keep the burden. We just get tired of carrying the burden. But it's at that point, if we're really open, that Jesus will enter into our lives and take that burden from us. But we got to give it to Him. As long as we want to hang on to part of it, he can't have it. Even the, the minutest string that we want to keep attached to that burden, Jesus says you've got to let it go. Because you've got to give up to go up. Because he that would be greatest must be servant of all. So my challenge, I guess, that just closing up here this morning, is this. Go to the dinner be friendly, love each other. When you leave the dinner today, make sure you know something about someone you didn't know. In fact, I put some questions together. We'll pass out at the dinner just to help if you're struggling with, I don't know what to ask, but uh, they're just called icebreaker questions. Like one of them is, when did, the, when did God go from being just a name to you to actually being something personal to you? Amen. Amen. And uh, But anyways, you know, just things that we could just talk about at dinner to get to know the people that are around us. And when you go to the dinner today, sit with people that you don't know. It's okay. It's, it's all right. The more we get to know each other, the more we love each other, the better off we're all going to be. Amen. In the kingdom of God. Because they're going to know we are Christians by our love, by our love. They'll know we are Christians by our love for one another, that we love each other. The other thing is, though, as we move beyond that, is when you walk away. I want to give this verse to you. This is powerful. This is out of the Amplified Bible. You can just write it down. But this is out of the book of John, 2 John, chapter 1 and verse 6. And 
if you've ever read the three books of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, 2nd's kind of a tough one because it doesn't seem like there's anything real spiritual in that book for you and I because it's written to the elder woman and then he goes on and just gives some orders. But in the end, he finishes up in verse 6 with, the, with these words. He says, um, listen, in verse 5 he says, love one another. Come on, do it. Love one another, Paul says. And then he says, and what this love consists in is this. So here we go. That we live and we walk in accordance with and guided by His commandments, His orders, His ordinances, His precepts, and His teaching. He said, this is the commandment. As you have heard from the beginning. Now watch it. As you have heard this commandment. Now these are His orders. This is His whistleblowing. This is what He's doing. This is the cadence He's sounding out to His people. His orders, His ordinances, His precepts, His teaching. This is the commandment, as you've heard from the beginning, that you continue to walk in love, guided by it, and following after it. And following after it. What is the sound of our Master today? Our Savior, our Lord. What is His sound? What is He shouting out? He's saying, look, Walk in love and be guided by it and follow after it. Walk in love. Just be loving. Loving to people. Well, I don't like them. He didn't say I, you got to like anybody. There's a lot of people who don't like you. I don't blame them. But I didn't say anybody's name. Well, yeah, somebody like, I hear you. You know, he ain't talking about me, I don't think. But we're called to love and be guided by it, and following after it. Now, Gerald was telling me he was at Walmart this last week, and he said this, he heard this woman make a statement. Was it to her husband, Gerald? Yeah. And he, she says, I'm in so much pain. I hurt. And Gerald says, well, would you let me pray for you? And she said, yes, please. And she got healed in Walmart. Amen. Now look, uh, listen, it doesn't matter whether you have a Bible education or have a high school education, or have a college education. But what does matter is, is that you have an outward circle that looks at the people that are around you. Don't be like I was so many years ago. I was walking by a person and I, I said, how are you doing? They said, terrible. And I walked away and said, well, that's good. <laughs> See, we're just in too big a hurry to take time to really care about what's going on around us. And I had to go back and apologize to the person. See, because when we ask people how they're doing, sometimes they're going to say to us, I'm not doing very well right now. I like to always ask the cashiers at the restaurant, how are you doing? How's your day going? Sometimes they'll say, it's really been a tough day. I was getting buying some feed the other day for our pigs, and, and, uh, and when I was, I was talking to this young lady, and all of a sudden she just burst into tears. Her mother had just died at 59 years old. And you know, what do you say in those things? Well, it's not always about how great the things you are that said. It's just the fact that you're there and you care. Amen. Amen. You know, you know that's true. When you go to a funeral, you're only going to hear about five or six things that you hear at every funeral. They're in a better place now, right? I mean, you know, all the, thank God their battle's over. You're here, and those are all great statements. But let me tell you what people remember. They don't remember what you say at all. They just remember that you showed up and that you love them. How many of you attest to that's true in your life? That somebody cared, and they just showed up, 
and just said, whatever I can do. And you probably aren't going to ask them to do a thing, but at least they were willing to help out and love. There are people all around us today at the restaurant. There are people that are going to see at the grocery store, at Myers and Walmart and wherever else that you shop. There are people in your neighborhood right now that all they need is for you and I just to be present and accounted for and just to love whenever they're going through things. Not to try to explain it, not to try to justify it, but just to try to love. Let's bow our heads. Father God, I thank you today for the great love in which you have loved us. Lord, um, thank you for saving me. So undeserved on my part, so freely given on your part. God, if you hadn't done one more thing in my life, when you forgave me of my sins and gave me a place in your family, it made all the difference. I belonged. I was welcomed. I was accepted unconditionally. Father God, I pray today that not a person would leave this way feeling alone, separated from you. I'm going to ask while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, and I don't know where everybody's spiritual experience is at today in the Lord, but if you would just say today that, listen, Pastor, would you just pray for me today? I'm, I'm not close with God like I should be. I'm not in a relationship with God. I've fallen away from my relationship. It doesn't matter how you got there. It just matters what you do right now. If you'd say today that you'd just like someone to pray with you, and I'll pray with you. I'll pray with you right here from the altar. I'm not going to make you come up front because I don't think that's going to make any difference in, in your prayer at all. But I'll pray with you here today, and I'm going to believe God, and we're going to believe with you as a congregation, that, uh, look, whatever path, the trajectory of your life is going to change dramatically today because of the choice that you make in just a few moments. So look, I'm asking, while heads are bowed, eyes are closed, we're not looking around here, in a few minutes, we're going to pray together. But if you'd say to me, Pastor, listen, I want you to pray for me today. I want you to pray with me that I'll make things right with God today, that I'll be at peace with the Lord, that I'll get back on the right track. And if that's you I'm talking to, I'm going to ask you to do, if that's you I'm talking to, is I want you just to make eye contact with me all over the building. That's all you have to do. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else here today? I'll just take a moment scanning the car. Thank you. Amen. With these two, three... Amen. Today, if that's you, I'm talking. If, they, if this is really speaking to your heart, these four, five, is there anyone else here today? At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my sin rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. Is there anyone else here today that would say with these five, yes, that's me, Pastor. Pray with me, please, today before we leave here. Amen. Well, stand up with me. Hadn't this been good today? Amen. We're going to pray with these five, all of us together. And uh, we're just going to believe God that as you pray this prayer by faith, amen, you don't have to get up if you, if you struggle. That's all right. Amen. Father, I thank you right now that your Holy Spirit is here, that, Lord, in the meekness and that we have to offer, Lord God, which is nothing, we can declare words of faith that have so much power that it can literally take a person who is lost 
or confused or broken or heading down the wrong path and change the whole trajectory of their future by just the words that they would just speak in just a few moments. I'd like all of you to pray this prayer with me out loud right now. Say this out loud with me. Lord Jesus, I come before you today as my Savior. I call upon your name. Lord, you paid a price I could never pay. So today, I declare over my life, you are my Savior, you are my Lord. I turn from sin, and I turn to you. Your new life, from this day forward, you and I, Lord, will walk together. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Give the Lord a hand for these five today. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Now look, we're going to go to the dinner. We're going to be loving. Amen. We're going to wait for one another. We're going to help some of our seniors get into the building and not make them walk alone. And we're going to say grace here before we go. Right? Because I, I wouldn't want you to starve today. Right? Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we bless the food, Lord God, today in our fellowship time together at the Harvest Party. Lord God, I thank you. It'll be an awesome time of fellowship, getting to know each other, Lord God, intermingling with one another. Father, help us each to have the courage to do what's right today and walk in love, guided by it, and following after it. In Jesus' name, and all those agreed said, amen. amen. Be blessed. I'll see you there.